Welcome to Great Minds with Lost and Found, the podcast that connects people and reimagines systems to improve mental health for youth and young adults. I'm your host, Joel Kaskinen. Lost and Found is a comprehensive nonprofit organization that aims to do more to eliminate suicide for youth and young adults in the United States. Now that you know who we are and what we're all about, let's get to the show. All right. Welcome back, friends, to a new episode of Great Minds with Lost and Found. I am here sitting across from my new friend, Shastin Gerbracht. Um, She is one of our 30 Days, 30 Stories participants, and we have invited her back to share her work with the Veterans Affairs Office um, out in Rapid City and in the Black Hills area. And we are inviting her for a very special occasion because it is the week after Veterans Day, and we really wanted to dive into the work that the VA is doing um, to improve access and delivery of care and create protective environments for veterans and those who are um, more at risk of suicide. So Shastin, if you will just go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of share your title and what you do with the VA so that way uh, our listeners know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Okay, Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, For the first part of my career, I was in the military the Air Force and the Air National Guard. I did that for 20 years. And near the end, when I was retiring in 2016, I got my master's in counseling with the goal of working for the VA. I had had some experiences with military counselors at my, with my time in service, and it made me want to get into that. And so I eventually made my way to the Black Hills into outpatient therapy with the VA. And as soon as I got there and I became aware of the suicide prevention program that they had, In the VA, I wanted to get into the suicide prevention program. It was a big goal of mine. And then I finally uh, got a position with suicide prevention. It's called Community Engagement and Partnerships Coordinator. And I got that in January of this year. And actually, and traumatically, the day after I got that position, I lost my son to suicide, which obviously um, has been brutal. And I'm still in recovery from that. But I'm very grateful to be able to work in a field that I care so much about and that I think is so important. And so now I serve in that capacity of working with building community-based interventions for suicide prevention. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing and getting vulnerable with us today. And it's abundantly clear that you're passionate both about suicide prevention and serving veterans and giving back to a community that supported you for so long. So um, I want to dive into that a little bit further. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we have been exploring the CDC's seven um, preventions or yeah, seven prevention strategies uh, as outlined in their technical package. Uh, one of those strategies that I really want to dive into with you today is improving access and delivery of suicide care, something that I think that the VA does very well and something I think that you can explain a little bit further. Um, So that's really why we've invited you to talk today. So I'm just curious, I've got a few questions for you just in terms of like brief general questions about the VA and its work. So can you share with us what the VA is and what it does? Okay, so the Veterans Administration balloon under that fall the Veterans Benefits Administration and the Veterans Health Administration. So we fall under the Veterans Health Administration, but the overall VA is a government program that uh, benefits veterans and their family members. So it offers just a range of of supports like educational opportunities, home loan guarantees, rehabilitation services, pensions, death benefits, survivors, um, burials, and then healthcare. And so we fall under that healthcare aspect, and that includes Uh, hospitals, clinics, nursing homes, and medical centers. 
Okay, great. So then what are the current services that the VA offers to address mental health care needs? The VA offers a pretty wide range of mental health services. So they span from a regular inpatient mental health appointment all the way up to, or I'm sorry, regular outpatient mental health appointment to intensive outpatient, which could be up to nine hours a week of therapy, either individual or in a group, to going extending into um, inpatient therapy. They also have um, diagnosis-specific treatments. So we have um, inpatient services for people struggling with substance use disorders or PTSD and military sexual trauma in particular. So that you might be able to go to an inpatient setting where it's just people going through those same same types of experiences. And we also have the step-down services for all those, the intensive outpatient and the regular outpatient, if you're focusing on those particular areas. And then we also provide crisis services for someone who has called the Veterans Crisis Line or has presented to the emergency department or reported to anyone else that they're at a high risk for suicidal ideation. That's great. Um, Follow-up question to that, uh, just because it's on my mind because of a recent conversation that we had in a different podcast episode. Um, We just spoke with the Helpline Center and um, uh, about their rollout of uh, the 988 crisis line and how you can uh, directly access the veterans uh, line through them. Just Mm -hmm. curious if you've seen any improvements or challenges with that um, now that it's kind of all streamlined through one service. So we've had a little bit of an increase with people calling, which is wonderful. That's what it's for. And then people have that they're getting quicker access. So the the transition is happening a little bit more quickly. Calling the line to getting to the veteran, the press one and get the veteran crisis line and then getting connected to what they need there. That's great. That's really great. Uh, My next question for you is how does the VA work to respond to those risk factors to improve mental health and prevent suicide among veterans specifically? Okay, Um, so for veterans specifically, and I mean, I I think some of these certainly would apply to non-veterans and civilians, but what we see a lot are um, higher occurrences of PTSD diagnoses, um, the difficulties that are associated with the military, not only from deployments, but difficulty that it is for a family and for not having the choice maybe in where you live at the moment or maybe being moved away from family members and support systems mm-hmm. might have had already set up or just away from the family of origin that you might have been close to. Um, there are often some maladaptive coping skills built that come from the idea that because a veteran might have lived and worked around the trauma that they've experienced or the person mm-hmm. that they've experienced trauma from, they uh, they aren't ever getting a break from it. So there's some things you have to do to be able to live through that that are big challenges with, with mental health. Um, and then there's stigmas associated with getting mental health in the military and afterwards. Sometimes veterans feel like other people deserve it more or that they don't want people to know. And also, while they were in the military, it could have impacted their security clearances, it could change their job, it can change their opportunities, promotion p- potential. I mean, I think there mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. barriers to mental health services. Um, what we try to do at the VA is, first of all, make it a safer place where you're not going to re-experience any of the trauma. So for example, if someone has experienced military sexual trauma, we have a program where they don't have to 
say anything about that. They just have to say, I want to talk to the MST coordinator and they should get there within two transfers without ever explaining anything that's happened. We don't want them to have to be re-traumatized by telling that story again and again. Totally. Or uh, for people being seen, particularly for PTSD, we have a separate entrance, so they're not having to go in through a crowd and be around a lot of people. Just trying to make it a safer, a safer place for them. Um, and then trying to build community among the people so that they feel a little bit more comfortable once they're there. But it's a big, it's a big project to change the stigma with, with seeking mental health help. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious um, about those stigmas. Uh, I think oftentimes people think that, you know, especially in the military, you know, you've seen combat and maybe you haven't, but like you've experienced a lot of things that most people don't in this world. Um, and I'm curious how those stigmas translate or correlate to those experiences and not being able to talk about that because it's such a lived experience. It, it, it's such an isolated lived experience rather. Um, does that make sense? I think so. So I think, you know, if you have experienced something like that with a group and it seems like they're all handling it okay, even though they very definitely might not be. I mean, you feel For... very isolated. Can't. You can't be the one to speak up, or you, you also can't be the one to say, hey, I'm, I've got to go to a mental health appointment. You guys take care. I'm not going to be here for a while, and can you fill in for me? I mean, there's yeah. some difficulty with that in the group as well. Yeah, I wondered about that. That's that's interesting. Um, as we consider solutions for mental health challenges and the risks of suicide for veterans, um, I'm curious about how you create those protective environments for veterans uh, through the VA's services. So um, things like reducing access to lethal means, creating a healthy organizational policy and culture, reducing su substance use through the community-based policies and practices that you offer. I'm just curious, um, uh, can you talk to that a little bit more? Sure. We have three priority areas that we're really, really focusing on, and one of them is lethal means safety and safety plans. And so it's a big goal to reduce access to lethal means, particularly if somebody is uh, under a crisis. So what we try to do is give education to everyone, every employee at the VA, who so that they'll feel more comfortable in asking people the question because um, of veterans who have been seen at the VA who have completed suicide, only, um, I believe it's 40% of them didn't have a mental health or a substance use diagnosis, so they're not necessarily being seen in the mental health care, so they might be seen mm -hmm. in other parts of the hospital, um, particularly pain management, um, chronic illnesses, and things like that, so we're trying to get people more comfortable with asking in those other areas. And then if they are saying, yes, I am thinking about killing myself, having the skills to ask about means and get them to who they need to talk to if it's someone else, but feeling comfortable with that. But what we ultimately want to get them to is a safety plan that hopefully involves their family members and some loved ones that might be able to help and help um, move along that conversation that maybe at this time, not that we don't want to take away your guns forever, but we want we want a little bit of cushion built in here. Because I've, yeah. I've seen a statistic where um, a high percentage, you know, the, the person who was considering suicide before they made that attempt thought about it for five minutes or, and it was, mm -hmm. you know, an hour. It wasn't very long. If you could have just some space and time in between 
those really tough feelings and their action, or if you could get them to need to talk to somebody in between there, I mean, it has a big impact because as I, as you know, they don't necessarily, they aren't necessarily going to go find the next most lethal means or, yeah, you know, they, their plan kind of is committed to one. And if we can help with that and involve their family. And when we do a, a safety plan with a veteran, we usually have permission to contact their family about it. So we don't have mm-hmm. to have, I have risk to be able to contact their family as we would in a normal mental health setting. So that's also been helpful. We're also trying to work with the state of South Dakota um, with uh, working with gun sellers where they might provide a list of places where veterans would be able to store their guns if they wanted to, to go take them. Um, So it would be given out in a new purchase that someone makes of a gun and they would just have that information with them if they needed it. in that way and getting it from the gun seller kind of maybe helping to reduce the stigma there, letting them know that the, the uh, gun seller feels okay about that and believes that's reasonable because the conversations do go a little bit better when you're, you know, there's the difficulty of the, their fear of you wanting to take away guns. Yeah. But when it's just, uh, it goes a little bit better. People are a little more receptive to helping veterans survive. So, so we're working on that as well. And then other types of means like uh, medication disposal, things like that we try to provide as well. Great. Um, You kind of already talked about this um, in terms of like including the family members and the community networks of support. Um, So again, another technical um, or another strategy, excuse me, that is outlined in the technical package from the CDC uh, is to promote healthy connections. And I've seen that done really well through the VA, just through my own work um, in the mental health care field. Can you elaborate more on that um, in terms of maybe like support programs that you offer or peer networks or, you know, groups. Um, what does that look like from the VA perspe- perspective? Yeah. So in addition to the means and safety planning priority, uh, the second one is to build community help with transitions. And so these are more community-based interventions. And the idea is that um, of veterans, 60% of veterans don't get VA care. So there are a lot of veterans that aren't receiving any of these mental health services or housing or education or any of those benefits. And so Mm -hmm. we don't want to force them into that if that's not their interest or, and if it is, we want to help them get connected to it, but we want them to have resources, even if they choose not to use the VA. So some things that we work toward is working with other organizations in the community um, to, that have interactions with veterans or their family members or current service members to get them involved with each other. So for example, over here, um, West River down in Hot Springs, there's a monthly buddy night where people come and meet and veterans get together. Someone sponsors it with food. There's usually some music and it's just a place for them to relax and hang out and build friendships and build connections with each other. Um, And it can also help with those transitions as well. And when we focus on transitions, it's not just out of the military, but maybe out of inpatient care into step-down care or Um, out of, if someone's going through a divorce, you know, that transition out of family, we really want to broaden what we look at as the transitions that military members go through, because it's not just getting out of the military. Um, So we work in that aspect. We also have built a coalition with the, with veteran or uh, volunteers of America, because they have a veteran branch and they're going to do a moral injury group that is peer run Uh uh so that they can, um, 
you know, it's not necessarily a mental health led. It's not a, a counselor running it. It's a someone who else is also who has experienced it. We do try to provide a lot of peer support where we can. People who have gone through what they are going through to get them to kind of help pull them into those those communities and relationships with other people who have gone through what they've gone through. Great. Um, I'm curious, you don't have to share if you don't want to, um, your personal experience, have you utilized any of these support systems um, that are fostering community connections and support? I have, um, after my son died, I have utilized a postvention, um, the Front Porch Coalition. So I have gone to a group like that and I um, didn't want to, and you know, I was pretty resistant to it. And <laughs> but did go kind of kicking and screaming. My husband got me in there, but it was, it has been, it has made all the difference. I, I think I would have been uh, less far along in this recovery process if I hadn't gone. And it's just amazing to be able to call another mother who knows exactly what it's like, mm -hmm. or, you know, it's, I will forever be an advocate of a, of a support group from now on. I mean, the, the what they can provide and it's just people you have never come in contact no way you'd get that support if you didn't actively say, I've got to go do this. Yeah. No, thanks for sharing that. Um, I was curious about that because we also partner with the Front Porch uh, Coalition um, with our newly, uh, our newest service is postvention um, oh. services and um, assistance for those who have lost loved ones to suicide. So I was curious if you know, you being out West River, if you had utilized Front Porch or if there was other programs similar that you um, were connected to. Um, I also ask because I think it's really important to share your personal lived experiences. We can talk data and services and, you know, all of that all day, but mm -hmm. people really connect with the, this is what helped me. This is what I've been through and this is how I'm coming out better and bigger and stronger on the other side, even though it's still a challenge every day. Um, and so I, I always find it so important to ask, like, what have you been through and how are you getting through it? And, you know, maintaining resiliency and strength um, to carry on and to move forward every day. So thank you. I appreciate you sharing. Um, the last thing I really want to jump into in terms of uh, the prevention strategies is identifying and supporting uh, people at risk. So this is, again, kind of jumping off of that healthy connections that we just chatted about. Um, so things like training gatekeepers, responding to crises, planning for safety and follow-up, which you've already mentioned, um, and then providing therapeutic approaches and um, systems of support through that. Um, is there anything that you haven't mentioned through the VA's services that would fall into those um, kind of categories? I think, I don't know exactly if it falls under it, but I, I think there's just been a huge shift in focus over the last several years with the VA with kind of front loading the system where they're getting, you're building support systems, you're building uh, whole health all over, you know, uh, yeah. get them involved in physical health, get them in spiritual health, uh, getting into how they need it better financial situation, education, home loans that will help them financially so that when there is a deterioration in mental health or if a crisis does occur, that there are so many things in place that are helpful and there mm -hmm. are people already to talk to and there are um, just a lot more barriers and support for people. I mean, I think that is the biggest goal because it's not certainly not only a mental health 
issue and it's certainly not only clinical and there are so many people that can help they don't need to be involved in the medical field at all to get to this front loading where people are you know never getting so far down that they're needing the crisis intervention we're just trying to move it far upstream of the crisis yeah no i i really appreciate that we talk about the upstream prevention approach so regularly in our work. And so it's really cool to see other entities doing that, even if you're not specifically in mental health or physical health, it's really cool to see that other entities are doing that. So um, great. So given your scope of practice with the VA, what are some resources and support structures that the VA offers to prevent suicide using other strategies? Maybe it's something that we haven't talked about um, through you know, the CDC's guidelines, but um, just in general, what are ways that you've seen um, or strategies that you've seen the VA utilize? So they have some um, they have some life skills groups for people to help them get uh, build relationships, first of all, but do better in their workplace or have more fulfilling work. Um, we have organizations like um, casting veterans where they take vets out in groups to go fly fishing, teach them how to fly fish. I mean, really work it out. So it's easy to go. You don't know how, you don't have to know how, you know, that's amazing. Um, we're working to build, um, some other recreational opportunities that like paddle boarding or guided hikes, things that will be enjoyable for veterans, things that they might like to do that'll get them together and, and meeting with others that are kind of in a, outdoor, maybe a safer environment as opposed to going to a concert or getting in a, in a large crowd. Yeah. Um, they provide, uh, I mean, the VA has a move program where to help people transition, uh, primarily if they have suffered with, um, diabetes or heart disease to try to help them move toward a path where they can get some, um, exercise and everything to help them reduce their medication dependence. Um, they really have a great whole health program. They they face it both toward veterans and toward the employees, which I think is great to keep everybody engaged in whole health and just exploring those other areas that people might need that would help them along in their, in I guess their personal growth and their, you know, pursuit of fulfillment in life. So they feel some sense of purpose to help them mm-hmm. and keep them kind of more value directed when they do start to feel like they're struggling. So they're able to reach out. They already know people at the VA. They're already involved in some programs. So maybe they can say, hey, I'm I'm needing some help with this or I'm struggling here. Great. I love that um, y'all are utilizing outdoor education and recreational opportunities because I think that that I don't want to like stereotype military or service members, but um, I feel like that is a better and bigger connection than yeah. a concert or you know a coffee shop or something might be i think the outdoors just lends itself better to support for veterans um so i i i think that that's really cool um i my minor in college was outdoor recreation and education and so i think about that facilitation factor all the time of like how can we facilitate conversations and learning opportunities that are both vulnerable healing and challenging um in the best ways and so i think about that when you know just in my work in the mental health care field all the time like how how can we do non-traditional support services through things like the outdoors, through things like music and art, through things like yeah. 
play therapy. You know, I, I just think that there's so, it just lends itself so much better to people like veterans and people who don't function well in the traditional setting of education. So I think that that's really cool that y'all are doing that. Yeah, it's really important. Just, yeah, I, I think when it feels more organic like that, it's easier to build friendships rather than feeling like yeah. Totally. I love that. Um, so thinking about systems. So when it comes to mental health, obviously we work in systems. Um, everything really works in systems, but, um, thinking of just like the overall mental health ecosystem, uh, how has your work with the VA informed your personal views and practices regarding mental health or has it at all? I definitely believe it has. It's, uh, it's um, been really interesting to see the difference. So when I was in, before I got into the VA, I worked uh, in private practice in uh, like Parker, Colorado, that area, and focused on trauma and PTSD. Um, and so they're mm-hmm. just very, just different situations. It's It's been system-wise to see that people could experience almost the same thing and just come out of it so differently. I think that's been really important for me to, I mean, you know, you hear that and you believe that, but I mean, just to see how that, how people can come away from it, the different ways that people are resilient and the different ways that they figure out how to cope with what they've gone through, I think has helped me systems wise to, to work with people as I meet them for the first time or to be more, um, even to be able to meet them where they're at when, when they come in after having experienced that. Yeah. Um, In other systems, maybe in partnership with the VA, um, you know, the healthcare system, the foster care system, the criminal justice system, um, is there anything that you see the VA helping in terms of like streamlining those processes, providing resources and support to people, you know, maybe coming out of foster care, out of incarceration, that sort of stuff? Do Do you see that regularly or is that something that's a little bit more untapped? Uh, we do have a veteran justice um, program to help them to provide mental health care and to help them transition through that process. Um, I think that the that foster care aspect is that I know of untapped. I mean, there may be um, there may be something happening, but I haven't heard of it. And, and we do try yeah. to work with medical centers around in an effort to identify veterans and maybe get them into the VA system, but also just to provide them with resources if they're not interested. And, but we also have, we have hotlines people call if they, if you're seeing someone out in the community with PTSD or with military sexual trauma, where they mm-hmm. can get help from someone that has experience with working with veterans with those things so that they can apply them in the community. Great. Yeah, I was just curious about that because, I mean, we work so closely with education and healthcare, and, you know, even the criminal justice system. And so I'm just curious about your entities and, you know, organizations and how they interact and collaborate. So um, my next question for you is, from your perspective, what is something that the VA does really well to support veterans who are struggling? And is it possible that this strategy or method could be scaled or shared with others to better address the mental health problems that we're all facing just as a community at whole? Something that I think that the VA does really well is um, 
to a person and talking with the people that work there and from the feedback that we get from veterans that come in for care, the the people that work there care so much about veterans. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they just wow organization. I think it's very frequently by choice and they they care a lot about them. As you can see it, you can see it when you're someone's walking down the hallway and they don't know where they're at or where to turn. You can see like three people who work there stopping to <laughs> point them in the right direction. And I think that's amazing the way that that's been fostered and supported and even through, you know, what the, the VA has been through with their care. I mean, people are really, really fighting to improve the veteran experience at the VA. Mm-hmm. And what was the second part of your question? Um, if it was possible to scale that strategy or to share that with others to better address the overall at large kind of community mental health issues, how would you go about doing that? Um, I mean, I think there's there I've I've learned as working in this community role, getting out in the community, you know, there's there it seems like in a in a city or a town there's so many people that are working on the suicide prevention sign and it's side yeah. and it's the same people. It's a lot of <laughs> that mm-hmm. are really a lot of who really care about. It. I mean, you get you're getting really passionate people in those. So I, I do think it carries over. But I can see that there's a, there could be a great benefit in um, I don't know, kind of getting together with those people and sharing why it's important to each of them. I mean, really to bolster it and to I mean, I think that can be infectious to other people where it might increase their compassion about it and to help them get involved as well to increase the community involvement. Yeah. In terms of community involvement, do you have like a Black Hills Suicide Prevention Task Force or a coalition or anything that people from the VA sit on and, you know, maybe it's Bridget from Front Porch and someone from, I don't know who else might be on it, but is that something that y'all have, West River? So we have a, a few different um, coalitions. We don't have one main one that every sits on because the reason is we have those three priority areas. The one is identifying veterans. So that would be if they're at the veterinarian or if they're at the doctor or yeah. civilian um, provider, identifying if they're a veteran and maybe asking the question if they need any or if they're having any suicidal ideation. Um, the second one is building community and transitions and then the lethal means safety and safety planning. And so to have a huge encompassing group makes it harder to focus on those, on one or two of those priority areas. But we do have a lot of community members involved in different coalitions. I, um, As you're saying that, I can see a benefit in one big one, you know, where everybody's kind of informed of everything that's going on. Yeah. And then there's people having another meeting, you know, they can try to keep it purposeful. But as you're speaking about, there's not one main coalition, but there are 11 smaller coalitions. That's nice, though. You know, we have a big one in Sioux Falls, and then we also have, like, a couple of, like, smaller sub-work groups and things. Um, Uh So I was just curious what that looked like over West River, um, because I think that it's widely beneficial if it's used correctly. Um, But I think having this, you know, multiple smaller work groups could actually yield a great benefit too. So yeah, I was just curious. Um, Okay, so I'm going to ask you to think far and wide here quickly. Um, So putting aside what resources are available, or what resources are even possible for you out West River, um, or just in general, 
in South Dakota, if you could wave a magic wand, what would the mental health care systems look like in your community? I believe, um, through my own experience, uh, that that sense of community, knowing that you have people who have gone through similar experiences and that you can call on feeling like you have friends and a support system. I don't think there's anything that competes with that. I mean, and so finding those ways to build that for people, finding those ways to make sure that um, they they just have someone just so long before the crisis to start talking about something, start talking about it, start problem solving, start getting help long before it Mm -hmm. really And so if I could invent that, find a way. And I mean, I think it, I absolutely think it's attainable. I mean, it's through all sorts of different types of activities and it takes everyone. You know, it doesn't need a mental health provider at all. It it needs the community. I love that answer. Thank you. Um, Now kind of wrapping us up with our conversation today, um, I kind of just want to switch gears entirely away from you, away from the VA, away from whatever. Um, What's one thing that you've learned in your life that you wish everyone would understand? And this can be about mental health. It can be about working in the military. It can be about being a mother. It can be anything that you think is valuable for people to hear, just given your personal lived experiences. Okay. I've been thinking about this. (laughs) What I think is the most important, I think it applies to mental health, but I think it applies to life overall, is is that we feel like we need to be motivated or I don't have the motivation to do that. That is just the great thing about motivation is you don't it. You can you can build it by starting. You can go whether it's doing something that's helping you fight depression or doing something that's gonna be better for your career. You don't need to to have that motivation. You just have to do it. Just do it. And then the motivation comes along later. That's perfectly said. I think in a culture of busyness, we have to be working. We have to be fighting for the next best thing. We have to be constantly improving and constantly doing something. And we want it with immediate gratification. I think that's a great answer. Thank you. Um, Okay. Last thing here is Is there anything that you thought maybe that we would talk about today or something that you really wanted to share about the VA or working in veteran services that you want to share with our listeners? Um, I would like to just encourage people if they have had an experience at the VA that turned them away from it or even with getting their benefits settled. I mean, that's that's a huge problem. puts people in a very vulnerable position, especially if they're trying to get it for their mental health. I think there's been a lot of changes and I think they're more protective of traumatic experiences. And so I just like to encourage people, whether they've tried and it didn't go well, or they have just said, I am not even going to try that. So maybe think about giving that a shot because one more time, because there's just so many more um, resources available. And I I really think they've done a lot to make that a, a better experience for people. Yeah. And just in terms of final thoughts, uh, I would love for you to, you know, drop some um, 
links, some phone numbers, whatever you might um, be able to offer us for people who are struggling, who want to reach out to the VA? Where can people contact you um, there? Okay, so always 988-1 for the Veterans Crisis Line. And if you are wanting to go and try to start getting your veterans benefits, you to look in your county and find your veteran services officer. That's a good place to start. The DAV is also a good place to start if you're wanting to get your services started up or get your uh, um, service connection. And VA.gov is a good place to get connected with services as well. It'll give you the phone numbers that you need to call for whatever your location is to get in for appointments if you already have access to veteran care. And for the veteran crisis line, you don't need to have access to the VA. That's any veteran. Also, awesome. similarly, for the um, the vet center, they have different requirements. So you don't need to okay. have access to the VA if you want to go to the vet center as well. Oh, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts or anything else that you'd like to add today, Shastin? I don't think so. I think that's all. Okay. Well then, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I just remember having a conversation with you out um, in Spearfish when we were shooting for the 30 Days, 30 Stories um, project, campaign, whatever you want to call it. And I just uh, remember thinking, you are someone I need to reconnect with and talk through veteran services stuff. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm glad that we get to do this the week after Veterans Day, because I think it just elongates the conversation and just kind of keeps it going a little bit. Um, so I'm really excited about that. And um, if anyone needs support or knows a veteran that is looking for some additional assistance, make sure that you're contacting the VA or you're calling 988 and then pressing one to reach the veterans crisis line. So thanks again, Shastin. Everyone, thanks for listening. Until next time, stay well and remain resilient. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review Great Minds wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more information about Lost and Found, go to resilienttoday.org. That's R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T-T-O-D-A-Y.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Resilient Today. Until next time, do more and stay well.